Giuliani. Hello, this is Rudy Giuliani coming to you with the Rudy Giuliani show. And I hope uh, I hope you're going to enjoy it. I hope you're listening in and I hope you stay tuned for the mayor's final words at the end. I'm going to have a special guest today, Roger Stone, and he's going to give us his wisdom on the uh, primaries on the. I think fascinating Republican primaries because they're beginning to define probably the Republican Party for the next 10 to 15 to 20 years the way uh, they did uh, when Ronald Reagan uh, was the president. And um, but I mean, he, he's someone who has great experience with that and he can really help us, I think, understand it. Um, nobody can help you understand Joe Biden. I mean, I've tried doctors even to explain to me, psychiatrists. I still don't understand Joe Biden. So, um, I mean, he keeps saying this. Now, maybe he's not demented. Maybe he's just stupid. So once again, once again, he's going to defend Taiwan. Now, I don't get angry at him for wanting to defend Taiwan. I get uh, worried about him because it's not the policy of his government to defend Taiwan. So I, I don't know. Why don't we play cut four for a moment, okay? And let's listen to what he said, and then let's listen to some of the people in his administration, you know, running for cover. Let's we agree with the one China policy. We signed on to it, and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it can be taken by force is taken by force is just not is just not appropriate. It will dislocate the entire region, and be another action similar to what happened in in uh, in Ukraine. Yeah, he have having a little trouble with the Ukraine there, but that will okay. Now let's go to um, let's go to the general that didn't think that giving the Bagram air base up 400 miles from China was strategically important. Because I'm wondering if he's missing a major brain cell. How could it be not important to give up a air base 400 miles from your chief enemy? I don't, you don't have to be a general for that one. But let's listen to him anyway on this. This is cut 16. Let's listen to his support for his commander-in-chief. And then, General Milley, could you, since you, you know, you're talking about the risks with Ukraine, can you walk us through what you see the potential risks that would uh, be a part of a U.S. military defense of Taiwan should China invade? Yeah, I actually won't do that, Courtney. I appreciate the opportunity to not answer a question. Uh, but um, there's a variety of contingency plans that we hold. All of them are highly classified, uh, Pacific, Europe, and elsewhere, right? Um, and it would be very inappropriate for me at a microphone to discuss the risk associated with those plans relative to anything with respect to Taiwan or anywhere else in the Pacific. Let's try now 15. This is Austin. Is the number one guy or is the number two guy, depending on where you put Miley? I, I think the Taiwan Relations Act, is, the U.S. is committed to ensure Taiwan has resources it needs to defend itself, but it doesn't require U.S. military intervention. So, again, I just want to ask, would... Is the U.S. making a commitment by saying that they are willing to, de to defend them militarily for U.S. troops to be involved in that military response? Again, Courtney, I think the president was clear on the fact that the policy has not changed. Was he? Clear <laughs> the fact that the policy hasn't changed? I don't know. 
problem I have is, so we say Biden does uh, stupid things because he's stupid or he's demented, right? So he gives up the Bagram Air Base 400 miles from China, and some president someday is going to curse him for it. And he leaves the uh, civilians behind, takes the troops out so the uh, terrorists can kill the civilians. Uh, or he doesn't think that spending uh, the most amount of money ever spent by an American president in American history creates inflation. I don't think he could spell inflation, by the way, much less understand inflation. Uh, so, okay, is it Joe Biden who makes stupid, damaging, anti-American decisions? Or is it Joe Biden who is demented, as he appears to be when he turns around and walks out the wrong way or thinks he was in the Senate for 180 years or can't recognize his wife or never gets Austin's names correct? Is he demented and somebody else is making the decisions? Now, if somebody else is making the decisions, they're pretty stupid because then they're the ones who say, give up Bagram Air Base 400 miles from China. They're the ones who say, oh, it's okay to leave the civilians there with all those terrorists. Ter they're, not, they're, they're nice terrorists, after all. They're not going to kill them. Right? I mean, so one way or the other, we got a major problem. It's either we got a president who really um, makes terrible decisions, or we got a president who is too mentally ill to make decisions. Other people are making them, but they're terrible decisions. So how do, how do we deal with this? Well, I always go back to the Constitution. The 25th Amendment says a president who's incapable of carrying out his duties should be removed. He's incapable of carrying out his duties. I'm in love with Kamala Harris. I understand it may be worse. I have a hard time believing it would be that much worse. It would be bad. But the Constitution gives us an answer. And I don't like the precedent we're setting of allowing a man who is demonstrably incapacitated having his finger next to the, to, to the red button that can destroy the world. I just don't, I, I think that we have an obligation to raise that. And I think, you know, the Democrats aren't going to do it because they forgot America a long time ago, or the good of America a long time ago. And the Republicans seem to, to be afraid, uh, which is the condition, unfortunately, of too many Republicans, which is one of the things we're going to talk to Roger about later. Now, Putin seems to be in trouble. I resisted at the beginning the stories about Putin uh, being ill and Putin seems ill and Putin. I thought that was almost a um, kind of a dodge, uh, Russian disinformation. Uh, now I have to say, looking at the pictures and looking at the bloated face, and some, I mean, he's beginning to start looking a lot like Biden. And I think he, I've, and now he's lost one of his type people who's turned on him. These are all signs he's on his way out. And I think the people who were speculating that, it's still speculation. I mean, the Soviet Union, haha, Russia, uh, is uh, a, a place that's inscrutable. So don't, uh, don't, start go, don't start betting money on it. But right now the signs look like uh, Russia's had enough of Putin. And the question's going to be, as it always is there, even in the Soviet days, who replaces him? I mean, they used to, in the old days, every May Day, they'd line up all the people. And the guy that was to the right of Khrushchev was going to succeed him. And then next year, that guy'd be dead. <laughs> and then there'd be somebody else there. Um, so I don't know if it still works that way. 
I think there's a lot of carryover from the old Soviet Union with Putin, although I don't see Putin as a pure communist. I see Putin as a almost a fascist, a Russian uh, supranationalist. He doesn't want to create, recreate the Soviet Union. He has a lot of objections to the Soviet Union, particularly has a lot of objections to communism's destruction of the Russian culture. I think he wants to be the czar. I think he wants a Russian empire. And that's why, and that's why uh, well, Georgia was important, but that's why Ukraine is so important. Ukraine has been critical to Russia from, uh, you know, from the very, very beginning. It's, it's the pathway to Russia. It's the breadbasket of Europe. It's the place that uh, Napoleon really lost his attempt to, to conquer Moscow, and it's the place that Hitler had to go around and waste an awful lot of time in order to get to Moscow because he, he didn't want to make the same mistake Napoleon made. So all of these things are in Putin's head. Putin, for whatever Putin is, and he's an evil man, he's a very intelligent evil man, unlike our uh, crooked president, who is not very intelligent, which makes it, you know, makes it very, very, makes it very difficult on us when we're operating with a, um, you know, when we're operating with this, with this kind of, uh, with this kind of, of deficit. Well, yesterday there were rumors that Eric Adams is thinking about running for president. Eric, you got to do your job as as uh, mayor. You're not doing. You're not doing your job. You were elected to reduce crime. You told us you were going to reduce crime. Just go to page four or five. I can't. Where it is here on this copy I have, uh, there's an article by Joe Marino and uh, Jorge Fitzgibbons. Mayor, do your job. And these are uh, uh, victims of the uh, you know, of people who were harmed. And with and with the shooting on the on the on the subway yesterday, I don't know what subway crime is up right now. Uh, last time I looked, it was up 68 percent. Regular crime, 40 percent. Yesterday, when I had my interchange with the creep on the street, uh, he was um, just a guy walking by. He was not a member of the parade, had nothing to do with the parade. He just walking by, and he yelled out something about how much better Adams is as a mayor than I was. And I yelled back at him, did you like, you like the city with 40% more crime or 65% less crime? And he said, I liked it better without you. And then I called him a jack, you know what. I can't say that word, or a stupid S, something like that. See, I have a rule, and, I, and if we ever interview any of my commissioners like Safer or Carrick or any of them, uh, I, I say, take no, that the word again. You're not, uh, public officials are not there to be uh, pushed around and to be embarrassed and to be humiliated, to be yelled at and screamed at. The only way you teach proper respect is you go back right at them. So people started yelling and screaming in my uh, rallies. I threw them out. You want to ask? A, you can ask the nastiest question in the world, but you don't start yelling and screaming disrespectfully. You want to come up to me and say, "Mayor, I think you were the worst mayor in the world." I actually believe you phonied the numbers, and you fixed, uh, 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 you, you fixed the reports. I would say to you, well, I beg to differ with you. I, I never did the numbers. I, I, I would explain it to you. Now you come up to me and you start yelling and screaming. Who knows what's going to happen to you?
look, I was born in Brooklyn, and you're just not going to take that out of me. And I think people who accept it, then are people who can't be tough decision makers because they tend to want to compromise everything. And right now we're, we're in a period of time where we don't have room left for compromise. We're being pushed against the wall here. We have inflation at record levels. We have a country that is in danger around the world. We're perceived as significantly weak by China. You can see North Korea going back to its old tricks. We're a country that's perceived as weak by our criminals. Crime is being enabled by the United States. This, this crime is a different kind of crime. Uh, not as much crime, but it's a different kind of crime. In some ways it might be more dangerous because it's about um, lack of respect. When we had five times more crime and five times more murder, and it sounds strange, but they still were afraid of the police. Now they'll do it right in front of the police because we taught them that in 2000. We taught them you can go into stores and you can walk out with the entire store and the police will just watch you. You saw that on television over and over again during the real insurrection of 2020 when Black Lives Matter and Antifa killed 25, 30 people, uh, destroyed property to the, to, the, to the tune of billions and billions of dollars, put 1,000 people in hospitals. That's, the, that's the, the, the insurrection of 2020 that the January 6th committee is trying to cover up by trying to describe what happened on January 6th, which was wrong. wasn't an insurrection. You do not go to an insurrection without a gun. Sorry. They didn't fire a shot. There was a shot fired. And they are not answering that question. What happened to Ashley Babbitt? Who were the people who were there? Who were the police officers who gave up their post? Name them. Who were the police officers in back of her who could have pulled her down rather than have her blown away? Why did the officer feel he was in fear for his life when she had no gun and he had at least eight police officers around him to help him? And she's about 5'3". Uh, why did he not shout a warning? Every witness says he didn't. I mean, we got questions that put police officers in jail under other sets of circumstances for that. So to have a commission that is doing what they're doing and not taking a look at the most significant event that happened is an outrage. But we'll be back and we'll discuss a few more outrages with you. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani Show. This is Rudy Giuliani back with you on uh, Rudy Giuliani Show. You know, uh, subway crime is really, really out of control. And the mayor a couple of weeks ago said the subways were, were, were safe. I don't know why he does this to himself. You do that too often and you lose uh, the trust of the people. You've got to tell them the truth and you're not going to fool them. And last month it was up 53% compared with April of 2021. And then overall it's up 1.47 felonies per 1 million to 211 felonies per uh, 1 million. 
And um, you're just not going to convince people uh, that the subways are safe. You're going to have to make them safe. And it can be done. It's been done before. There's a method for doing it. I I don't understand why Adams doesn't use it. I just don't understand it. And uh, and then keeps insisting that things are things are things are safe on the subway. But he's not going to convince people that things are safe on the subway if um, if we if we get shootings like this and, and we get people coming on there, you know, and, and shooting ten people. It's, you, you have to do it. You have to. Ha- and where crime is concerned, you can't give as much bull to people because they have victims and the uh, the nature of the newspaper articles and the television coverage is sensational may even exaggerate it a bit but you have to know that so let's go to G.I. Jack in Hackensack hello Rudy how are hey you? Jack how, how are you um, how you doing alive, Rudy. listen uh, I tried to get on yesterday to speak with the beloved your beloved sidekick, she's not close, she's your sidekick, Dr. Maria Ryan. I want to bring up a few oh. important things. A few important things, my paisano, Rudy. First of all, thank God for Rudy Giuliani, the second great mayor after LaGuardia. No offense, but you know LaGuardia, he was incredible, and so were you. But you were the best mayor any, any city ever had in my lifetime. Bottom line is, Rudy, is that, let's not forget a week from today will be the federal national holiday night garbage on TV, the origins of hip-hop, not the big sales. It's the honoring American military who died to protecting us. Rudy, 50% half of the homeless men and women in America are American veterans, God help them. It shouldn't be in the richest country in the world. And every year, every hour, an American veteran commits suicide, 13,000 every year. I do what I can. This American Marine is American Remodel through New York and New Jersey bringing food to the American veteran shut-ins and living the words of Christ in Matthew for when I was hungry, gave it to eat, for when I was thirsty, gave it to drink. But, Rudy, let's not forget, I want Judge Judge Jeanine Pirro to come out of retirement and prosecute Martina Baruta, 40 years in charge of the Manhattan VA. She embezzled $40 million of American tariff taxation and tax center, and the VA covered it up. I challenge Joe Biden and his junkie son who was kicked out of the military for selling drugs, and that's a treasonable offense. That gets one a life sentence in, in a Leavenworth federal prison. Dishonorable charge. I proudly hold an honorable, the best discharge. Well, Jack, I, I urge people to use Memorial Day to remember our, our, um, our, well, to remember the people who died in the line of duty and to make sure that we take care of all of our veterans much better than we do and that's why i'm so uh, closely attached to t2t.org you know tunnel the towers but there are a lot of other good organizations and a lot of people now very concerned about the conditions of our of our veterans many more i think there's more spirit and more concern about that than there has been than, that, than there has been in the past so i i think you're getting your message across i really do and so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be that uh, down I wouldn't be that down about it. I think you're really getting it across. Uh, I got to tell you, you have to, you have to, have to, have to 
you have to watch 20,000 mules. I downloaded it myself uh, today because, well, frankly, because I did a podcast today with uh, uh, Christine uh, Engelbrecht and uh, Greg Phillips. And they're the ones who worked with Dinesh Souza, who produced it and put it together with this tremendous um, geo-tracking capacity that is uh, flawless, that's used by law enforcement. So we're gonna, when we come back, we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to have uh, the pleasure of talking to Roger Stone about what the heck is going on with these primaries. We'll be back, and then we'll have the mayor's final word. Giuliani Show. This is Rudy Giuliani back with the Rudy Giuliani Show, and we have uh, with us, as I promised, Roger Stone. Roger uh, is probably uh, the best person we could have to talk about this subject, which is going to consume the next couple of weeks and have something to do, I think, with the direction of the election and the country. And that is the battle, debate, dispute, election taking place between, in many places, Republicans have described themselves as uh, America first. They might say Trump Republicans. Um, and then those who describe themselves or fail to describe themselves as that and are more like what we think of as the Republican in name only, the establishment corporate re- Republican. It seems well, we had that battle in, in, in Pennsylvania already. Uh, we've got it going on now four or five places. How, how's it going to come out? And then how is it going to leave uh, the party after it's over in order to defeat uh, whoever is sitting on the other side? Well, first of all, let me say it's a great honor to be on the show with one of my personal political heroes. I was a volunteer in your first campaign for mayor (laughs) against David Dickens, a mere volunteer. And Ron Silver, a great friend. Yes, of course, Ron, great man. God bless him. Indeed. Um, There is a certain irony here there's a certain irony here uh, that when the Republican Party nominated Mitt Romney, of course, the real conservatives hung in there for the party nominee. But when the party nominated Donald Trump, the people you're speaking about, Hmm. you know, they told us that they were going to take a powder. By the way, they had no effect in that election. The energy in the Republican Party is with the America First wing. And I think that's why they dominate in the primaries. Uh, And I do think to the extent that establishment Republicans bail out on the party in, in November, they're more than compensated for by blue-collar, Catholic, white, working-class Democrats uh, who vote Republican when we nominate the right candidates. Why does Donald Trump run 5% ahead of Mitt Romney in Detroit, in Milwaukee, in Fort Lauderdale, Miami? Five, now, you may say, well, 5%, that's not much. Well, it's the difference when you only win Michigan by 10 points. So uh, I think that that the key here is also that the situation in the country is so dire. Gas prices, food shortages, uh, the the prospects of another mass lockdown, uh, that that even those Republicans who may be hesitant about some of our candidates, if our candidates aren't certifiably insane. And in, <laughs> right. in a few cases... Yeah. Every once in a while. Yeah, it happens, like in Delaware a couple of years yeah. ago. But if our, if our candidates 
are in fact America first conservatives, but they're credible, I think the overwhelming need to save the country in the face of creeping Bidenism will hold the party together. So which is it with Biden? Is it is it Biden is impaired and other people are making these uh, incompetent decisions or he's making the incompetent decisions? Uh, I think the de facto president of the United States is his predecessor, Barack Hussein Obama. I, I have been told reliably by a Secret Service agent who has proven his credibility to me in the past that Susan Rice and Ron Klain go to the Obama compound every morning at 7 for a conference call with the de facto president of the United States, wherever he may be, uh, and then the senior staff meeting starts at 7.45. Uh, I think Joe Biden is a figurehead. I think that he is... They, they manage him. They let him think that he's making decisions, but you can look at him. He's in, he's in no condition to make any decisions. What, what made me laugh a couple weeks ago was watching Lindsey Graham, who I don't care for, uh, in a video saying, well, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you got to admit Joe Biden's just the nicest. Really. Every Democrat I know in the Senate, and I have friends who are in the Senate with Joe Biden who are Democrats. Yeah. None of them like Joe Biden. They always thought he was a, a blowhard, a know-it-all. Epically greedy, not a well-liked guy. A nasty guy. You right. can, you have the tapes of him uh, being a nasty guy. Not not well-liked at all. The idea that he's a nice guy. Nobody has ever seen him, him as a nice guy. So I don't think he's running anything. I think this is the third term uh, of Barack Obama. And what happens in November? Well, uh, I guess... Does he, run, does he run again? I mean, can he run again? Well, I guess the most important thing is... I'm one of those who believes that just taking control of both houses will not necessarily change the country. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you elect a cadre of people in both houses, a hardcore of, we don't know what the margin is. Let's say the margin is much closer than we think, which is what I think will happen. So Republicans don't win the House by 20, they win it by 10, 11. Well then 12 stout individuals, men and women, who hang together for an America first agenda like our friend Mike Crispy here in New Jersey, right. who, who the mayor's campaigning for today and who I'm here to campaign for, challenging Chris Smith in the New Jersey's 4th District, which is Ocean and, and uh, Monmouth counties, uh, I think that, that you, gotta, you could change the direction of history by changing the direction of the caucus. Uh, if 10 Republicans hang out, Kevin McCarthy won't be speaker. So you've actually told me that you think it would be better for the Republican Party if we had a 10 or 12 uh, strong group of people as a majority rather than just a very, very large group of all sorts of Republicans, you know, 20, 30, 40. You, you, we want an overwhelming majority, then you have rhino leadership in both houses. Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell stay in place, uh, and they're just not prepared to confront and, and fight the radical socialist wing of the Democratic Party. They've proven it over and over again. Kevin McCarthy has already announced that, that he would not move articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. Now, we both know, based on what we've seen in Hunter's laptop, there's greater grounds to impeach Joe Biden today than there ever was to impeach Donald Trump. Uh, 100%. They're not actual crimes. I mean, they're actually proven crimes committed by uh, Joe, Joe Biden. There you go. And really, there's a very, very big 25th Amendment uh, issue about him. I actually, I've said this before, I think that after the election, uh, that his own party will remove him. Uh, under the 25th Amendment. They'll deify him on his way out the door. He's a great statesman. It's unfortunate his health just no longer allows him to do the job. And the reason Joe will go quietly is because he's going to pardon his son and his brother right. on his way out the door.
I think that makes a lot of sense, even if they have to live with Kamala Harris. Well, she wouldn't be running the country either. So it, it right. really, right. to my friends who say, oh, my God, she would then be president, I would say two things. One, she's not, Biden's not president now. She's not really running anything. She wouldn't run anything then. She would then be entitled to appoint a vice president, but little known fact, the vice president needs to be confirmed not by just the Senate, but by the House and the Senate. So again, if the Republicans in the House and the Senate have the will not to confirm her vice president, that office would remain vacant. Then who's ever speaker would be next in line for the president. Just one last question, Roger. What do you think of the idea of making Trump speaker? <laughs> it's, not, you know, it's not the worst idea in the world because if they remove Biden and Kamala Harris is then president, if you had the will to impeach her, and I think the grounds are there as well, he could theoretically become president. It would be like drawing to an inside straight in poker. Yeah. That's, and 60, 67 votes is a high bar. And it does seem – it gives a, has a little bit of a sneaky feeling to it. Well, also, do you have to impeach her? And that's 67 votes yeah. in the Senate. It's a very high bar. Okay. Plus, I'm I think he would hate being speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine him being speaker sitting there with the, – oh, my God. Well, he, both Roger and I know him quite well. So when we're laughing, we're laughing with affection, right? We love him. So I'm going to put one uh, one guy on before you leave, Joe from Suffolk County, because he wants to ask a question about the governor's race, and we'll see what your thoughts are. Joe, how are you? Hey, how are you? It's my my honor, actually. Uh, Roger Stone, Mr. Mayor, pleasure. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I voted for Lee Zeldin seven times, Assembly, and then when he was congressman, and he is my congressman today, but... When Andrew Giuliani came out with Curtis Lee's at a Bellport Country Club, and prior to that, listening to him, I said, he's got the it factor. I was the biggest Zeldin supporter, but now he's a boilerplate politician. When they, uh, the GOP in New York State, he basically handed his cojones to them in a bag, and that disgusted me. And I don't mean to be rude about that, but he's a rhino, uh, Zeldin, and I realized that. I don't like that when they got together and they nominated him. And I said, wait, you got a good number one contender here. wants to challenge you. What are you, a coward? I don't like that. Then he wouldn't talk about, I'm a Trumpican, number one Trumpican, self-proclaimed in the country. When he went back and say Trump's name, and he, he, he withered away from him. I said, whoa, this is, no, no, no. He brought you to the dance. You go home with him. He came out here and raised $4 million for you in West Ham to put you on the map. And now you won't mention the man's name. You go down with him. That man was the greatest president we ever had. So, uh, you know, Zeldin, he's, uh, he's back in Garbarino, second district. He's on top of the ticket. I said, are you kidding? That turncoat voted for the January 6th commission? We're trying to get him out in the second district at all costs, Garbarino. Well, and that was an extraordinary vote from a rookie congressman. He, vo- he voted. To, I mean, the January 6th commission is basically made up of all the people who lied about Russian collusion, <laughs> like yeah. Schiff. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, see, we have an extraordinary situation in America. The people who told you the Russians elected Donald Trump, the people who said Trump, uh, pardon me, Hillary did not spy on Trump, the people who told you COVID-19 vaccinations were safe and effective, the people who told you that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, they now tell you that the election was on the up and up and January 6th was an insurrection. They have no credibility. Let me speak to your question. And I, Look, I have a bias. I'm supporting Andrew Giuliani. Uh, and, I, and I must tell you, I didn't know him until recently. Well, I got to know him over the last year or so. Uh, and I'm in, incredibly impressed, not only by his grasp of issues, 
his energy, but also the way for a man as young as he is, the way he handles himself. He's got he's got superb judgment. He's ready to be governor at his young age. You wouldn't normally think that, but he's actually ready to be governor. Uh, and while I think Lee Zeldin's okay, I don't dislike him right. in any way, there's no energy there. There's no spark. Uh, he looks to me, he does not look to me like he could go to Albany and tame the worst of the worst. Radical Democrats who, for example, have done away with bail for violent crimes. Unbelievable. So Andy, Andrew's a fighter, uh, and I also think he's a stronger, much stronger general election candidate. Much stronger. Andrew uh, polls better, uh, strangely, among Democrats and among uh, and among Jew- Jewish voters in the general election than than uh, than, you, than anyone. Well, just look. Despite the fake news media's attempts to destroy the former mayor, the Giuliani name in New York is still magic. It's certainly magic in a primary, and I think in terms of getting to the kind of swing Democrats who will vote Republican in New York State, that's a giant asset. But at the end of the day. Andrew has to be more than just Rudy's son, and he's and, pro- and he's proving that every day. I mean, I'm I'm very impressed, and I'm a I'm a shrewd analysis uh, uh, analyst of political horseflesh. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a thoroughbred. He really is a thoroughbred. And I don't just say that because his well, old man is sitting here. With well, me. thank you, Roger. You know the the thing he started over a year ago, and I told him it's your job uh, to separate yourself from me. I don't mean um, if you agree with me, you agree with me. If you disagree with me, disagree with me. You've got to separate yourself from me like you're, you're your own man. And the best way to do that, take a page from Hillary's book. Just travel all up through upstate New York. Spend the, fir- the year before getting to know upstate New York. Every poll, once he's winning, once he's losing, he's always winning upstate New York. Because he went and he, he, he people would come and say, oh, is he Giuliani's son? And they'd walk away saying pretty much what Roger said. No, he's his own man. He's got his own ideas. He's got a lot of his father's good qualities, and hopefully he has none of his bad, his bad qualities. Well, thank you very, very much, Roger. I'll I'm be seeing you a little later. I'm delighted to be here. Wor- while we work for another great uh, Republican victory. Great. Many thanks. Uh, so now I'm going to go to Larry in uh, uh, Staten Island. Rudy? Hey, Larry. How are you, my brother? Uh, listen, I'm good. I'm uh, good, I Larry. What? what? On, uh, I want to comment on Eric Adams. Here's a guy. He's already said he's got a platform uh, to run for the presidency of the United States. The, the What's his platform? In, uh, An increase in crime? <laughs> yeah, well, What's his platform? He increased subway crime? in New York City. Yeah. Well, his platform here in New York City is like that of the... Uh, the Coney Island boardwalk in the 1970s where all the planks falling off. Uh, this guy is uh, just doing nothing. And I just don't understand it, Rudy. Uh, this guy appointed a deputy mayor of public safety, Philip uh, uh, Banks, a no-name uh, co-conspirator. This guy was the highest-ranking member of the NYCP, NYPD. Where is this guy? Uh, shouldn't he be uh, involved in the CompStat process? We got a problem here. Yeah, we do. I mean, we do. We have we have we have a mayor who's not paying. Let, let's face it, we have a mayor who is not paying attention, and uh, crimes are going on all around him. He's yet to have a single week in which he's seen a decline in crime, uh, in crime, <laughs> and uh, how you. I mean, if he had gotten off to a, I mean, even if he had gotten off to a terrific start, let's say four months and crime is down twenty percent rather than up 
27%, right? You'd say, hey, it's a little stupid to be talking about running for president. Yet you got you got a whole big budget thing you have to deal with, which he screwed up completely. I mean, the the budget of New York City is larger than the budget of the state of Florida. We have eight million people; they have close to twenty million people. Tell me we're not stealing money. I'm sorry. I know the budget of New York City, not the present one. I know the old one. I used to memorize it. And I reduced it more than any mayor ever reduced it. And I, I, I lowered taxes more than any mayor ever lowered taxes. But that, I have to say, I have to put a footnote on that. No other mayor ever lowered taxes. <laughs> so the, uh, get, getting that record was easy. First tax reduction I did, my deputy mayor, Peter Powers, came in and said, Mayor, you just set a record for lowering taxes. It was like a 2% reduction, ridiculously low. It's all I could get at that time. And I said, how is that, Peter? He said, because nobody else has ever done it before. We eventually got it down to about 18 20%. So the reality is, how about having a record first? I don't think it matters. It's all bull. It's all, you know, positioning and what you say and how you say it and do you say the right thing, and do you wear the right clothes, and are you in the right place? And meanwhile, we see what happens on the subway yesterday. That poor man killed for no reason. His family devastated. You know, murder murder's going to happen, unfortunately, I think, until God brings us all up to heaven. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe God will give us a period of time on earth that's perfect. I don't know. I think that's meant for heaven. But it doesn't have to be so many. And I'll tell you, there's a difference, too. I found this running, running, running the city during different periods of time. I found that this was true. And that is that when crime is going down and you get a terrible crime, People accept it differently. They see that you're making a tremendous effort and you can't be perfect. And the fear isn't there as much that it's going to be, you know, repeated. It, it, all of a sudden, it becomes an unusual situation. And that comes from the perspective of having taken over a city with more crime than it had ever had before. Now, Adams made another stupid absolutely ignorant statement today, or yesterday, I should really say. And I don't know why he says these things, because I can't say he isn't smart. That wouldn't be nice. Maybe he doesn't pay attention enough. He said he's never seen the city with more crime than this. Well, of course he's seen the city with more crime than this. He endorsed me when the city had more crime than this. Under David Dinkins, the city had five to six times more murders than this. Five to six to seven times more other crimes than this. I took over a city that was in far greater danger than the city he's taken over. And I brought crime down, and he's gotten crime to go up. Now, you've got you to straighten that out, not to run for president, but to do your jobs. And we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be back with the mayor's final word. The Rudy Giuliani Show. And now, 
It's time for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Mayor's Final Thoughts. Good afternoon again. This is uh, Rudy Giuliani with the Mayor's uh, Final Thoughts. And uh, is brought to you by Tunnel to Towers, T2T.org. Tunnel to Towers is the organization that makes sure that our uniform members who are killed in the line of duty or, or dramatically injured and catastrophically hurt are taken care of. And for you to fulfill your obligation, and it is that, it's an obligation, all you've got to do is send them $11 a month. Pledge, send your 11 make it a, make make it a yearly payment right away so you don't have to even think about it every month. And if you can do more than 11 I know I ask for 11 and sometimes maybe I should just limit it to that. That's the best, smartest way to do it. But if you can do more than 11, it's going to make you feel better. Look, look who you're helping. You're helping the people who help you and your family stay safe. So I'm going to conclude today uh, on, um, on the whole uh, movie, uh, 20,000 uh, Mules, because it is being censored. And I try to spend my time as much as possible on the news that you don't get. Try to do that with my podcast. I try to do that with uh, my alert, which I did t- today, and I did my alert today on the January 6th committee because there was a report that I testified in front of them for nine hours, a leak, a leak. Uh, I will tell you this is not, this is not an insult at all, and I hope they don't take it this way, to the staff, the younger lawyers and the staff members. and. I know leaks. I've been living with them for life. It comes from the members. And the members of that committee are, um, I mean, you you got the people who did the whole Russian hoax there. I mean, Benny Thompson wanted him removed because of his connection to Russia, even though he was told there was no connection. And you got uh, uh, Shifty Schiff, who, gosh, nobody more than Shifty Schiff lied over it. But in any event, I want to talk to you about 20,000 mules. That uh, done by uh, Dinesh D'Souza, uh, Catherine Enelbrecht, and Greg Phillips. Uh, You've got to, you have got to watch the movie. All you have to do is go into your phone, computer, tablet, whatever the heck you have. Just put in uh, 2000mules.com. Uh, you can get a DVD if you want, or DV, yeah, DVD. You could get uh, a download. Press a little button, and you're watching the movie. And when you're finished, I want you to uh, call me and tell me what you thought of it, okay? Because I think it is an uh, exceptionally historic movie. They use a process called geo-tracking that is used by law enforcement, by the military. It is completely reliable tracking and no one as yet has has contradicted a single fact about the way in which that was done so go listen to it so that we can talk about it okay this is Rudy Giuliani we're going to be back with you tomorrow and remember tomorrow morning when you get up you just get down on your knees and say thank God I'm in America God bless America